0: You're listening to the Kitchen Obsessed Podcast. Every week, we discuss the challenges facing modern restaurant kitchens and the technologies to help solve them. Now, here's your host, Sean Shankle. Hi, everybody. This is the Kitchen Obsessed Podcast, and I am Sean Shankle. This is the first podcast of its kind uh, that focuses solely on the evolving challenges facing restaurant kitchens in 2022 and beyond and specifically how emerging technologies and changing operational approaches can help solve these problems. This is our first inaugural podcast, so a little bit about why we created it. We are restaurant operators and technologists who believe that the kitchen is the center of the universe in the restaurant. We also believe that it is underrepresented in thoughtful problem solution type discussions in the industry in light of all the changes that have pummeled restaurants in the last couple of years. Some of the changes include, you know, expansion of ordering channels, changes in guest preferences, labor constraints, et cetera. We believe that the changes we've experienced are here to stay and are only going to, they're only going to get bigger. So we want to talk about them. Okay. We wanted to kick off this very first episode with a global perspective of kitchen operational challenges and perspectives. So my first guest is Peter Doherty, the general manager of Lightspeed's Global Hospitality Group. Lightspeed serves technology to tens of thousands of restaurants around the world. They are a great platform. Pete, welcome. It is great to have you.
1: Thanks for having me, Sean. It's great to be here with you.
0: So you've got a really unique perspective. Um, You are serving um, restaurants, especially small and medium-sized businesses globally. So what are some of the biggest challenges you see facing restaurant kitchens today?
1: Uh, We get asked that question all the time, not only by folks like yourself, but also our our customers because they want to learn from each other. And I love that you know, podcasts like this, where the community can share and, and talk about things like this, I think it's great. So, I've, you know, I love the initiative, and I'm thank you for having me as your first guest on the inaugural podcast. Absolutely. Um, so, so what are some of the biggest challenges that we're hearing from restaurateurs? I think the first one, and it, you know, we've talked about it a lot, is is attracting the right talent. Hmm. It's really about making sure you have the right people in the right spots, able and available to work the right shifts. And you know, the business we're in is really about people and serving guests and so ultimately what is the number one challenge people and so that that's really t- that's the number one thing we're hearing and so you know from a from a data perspective you know it's people um, it's inflation because inflation hits not only their costs but also the labor. so it, there, there's a, a ton of angles to it but I, I think that's where I'd answer that.
0: So talk about regionally I mean do you do you see these things? Um, is it a sort of a global perspective? Are there changes or differences regionally?
1: Actually, I want to use some data because that we love data to understand our industry. And I think you know when we look at some, some US hospitality data, we actually looked at a cohort of 6,000 restaurants. And so we know from an industry perspective, inflation year over year was 8, 8.2% from August to August. But we know amongst that cohort of 6,000 restaurants in the US, they only increased their prices by 5.5%, call it. And so we know from a revenue perspective, they're not lifting their revenue at pace with inflation. And of course, when you talk about labor, well, to be able to pay my people, I need to make revenue. But salaries are going up. To be able to attract talent, salaries have to go up. And I think that's that's something that restaurants around the world are facing, but we have very clear data out of the U.S.
0: Oh, that's good. Okay. So we, we kind of touched on one solution, right? They're raising prices, but not enough. Um, do you see automation stepping in? I mean, what are, what are, from a technology's perspective, what are you seeing? What are you guys doing um, to sort of help bridge that gap that
1: these operators are facing? Automation is, is, is important, but it's also important to make sure we remember why people go to restaurants. People go to the restaurant because of the experience, the staff member sitting by the, standing by the table and telling you about the, the special or the, the, your favorite bottle of wine. And so that is the last place you want to put automation for that. You, know, you don't want to replace that magic touch that you get when you go to a restaurant. But on the flip side, what are the things that are maybe lower value for the experience that you're trying to create for your guests that you can apply automation? I think a great example, 50 years ago, you had five people standing in the back of your restaurant doing the dishes by hand, one by one. Now, today, everyone's got a commercial dishwasher. That is automation, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you talk about today, that doesn't seem all that exciting, but that is revolutionary. You know, you've just cut your labor cost from five people down to one person to operate the dishwasher. You know, that's a massive improvement in operation. But now, today, we're talking about things like, well, you know, KDS, how do I make my kitchen more efficient? How do I track the operation of my my restaurant so I'm reducing wastage? How do I know, hey, how long does food last in my storage, in my walk-ins shelf? And how do I make sure that I have just-in-time delivery with my suppliers rather than having to order, order, order? How do I reduce the number of staff that I have in my front of house where the humans are only working on the things where they interact with the guests and not doing all the other little things like seating guests, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, automation is, 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 sounds like a super exciting term, but it can also be applied in the wrong way. And that's always something that we're always very focused on to make sure that we're applying automation to the things that don't take away from the magic of a restaurant.
0: You know, I think there are two sides to it, right? As we evolve and develop, we can like vomit technology at operators yeah. and they cannot use it because it becomes, it's difficult and it's it's hard to implement and things like that. Or we can try to, to, to deliver technology that sort of provides quick but incremental improvements to the operators. So, uh, you know, I'd be curious, how do you see it working its way out in the U.S. and also around the world with operators?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting problem. And, you know, at Lightspeed, we love to think about how do restaurants work and how do we apply technology to the problems where it makes sense? You know, to your your comment before about, you know, how how do we make sure we don't overdo it, right? Because, again, going back to the magic of a restaurant, people go to restaurants because of that experience. And so the way we think about it is, again, let's go back to that example of the staff member standing beside the table, talking about the special, talking about, You know, the the beef or the steak tartare or the olives and how they're grown on the trees, like that's the magic, right? And so, how do you make sure that staff could spend more time doing that rather than running back to their POS to fire the course or running around to drop the check and then go pick up the check and then bring the credit card to swipe the, like those are the kind of things that add less, no value to the experience. But front of house staff and back of house staff are spending time doing a ton of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, in the front of house, how do we think about it? Well, how do we reduce the time that staff members are not in front of guests? Well, let's make sure that they have technology in their pocket instead of having to go into a fixed station. Or how do we make sure that they don't have to make three sure trips to the table to close a the check. They can do it in one, sh- in one visit. And then all of a sudden, a staff member can spend time with six tables instead of four. That is artfully applying automation to improve the guest experience.
0: Okay, and the so same that's- is true in the back of
1: house. Yeah, the, you know, back of house. How do we make sure that the expo station... You know, instead of having two people at the expo station, maybe you could do it with one because you have technology that's helping automate the assembly of all the different pieces of the dish that come together and making sure that they're being cooked at the right order, at the, with the right delays, and the right time, so that you don't need three people just coordinating at the expo. It's like it like just magically comes together because everything was coordinated. You just need one person there, and all of a sudden that restaurateur who's had to raise wages by twenty percent to make sure that all their shifts are full doesn't have to stress about the fact that they have one expo instead of two.
0: What tools, you know, practical tools, practical solutions for operators. Um, so let's say this. What if we said an operator in the next six months, what would be a practical solution for an SMB business that they could employ? Um, doesn't have to be any of our technologies, like it just something out there in your mind that could um, help bring them some of this efficiency.
1: So let's, let's use a very practical example. I was just talking with, I was out for dinner last night, actually. I was talking with the manager of the restaurant. Uh, she was telling me that right before the dinner service, one of her wait staff called in sick, couldn't come in. Already they're tight and now they're even tighter. Mm-hmm. And so what she had to do, and again, going back to, you know, how do we apply technology in a thoughtful way, artful manner? I like, I like that term. Mm-hmm. You know, she had to, and here she had to maybe compromise a little bit because she was just so tight on the labor front. She ended up putting the QR codes on the table, which she normally was like, I hate this. It's not part of mm-hmm. the experience that I want to create, but I had to do it. And maybe, and, and actually, maybe it's a world where you keep little cards in the back with all the QR codes on them. And then when you're really tight on a shift one day, you just end up putting it on the tables because that's not your default experience. That's not what you want. But maybe it is that compromise you have to do on some nights when you're really tight. Or maybe it's a night like a Wednesday night that's not as busy as a Thursday, Friday or Saturday. Yeah. You're going to go a little bit tighter on your labor costs versus Thursday, Friday, Saturday, where the room is going to be full. And you know, you're going to sell a ton of high, high margin alcohol. Wednesday night, you're going to have to go for a slightly different experience. And so I think that's a very practical example. And actually, I was super impressed by how that, that manager just pivoted on the spot. But that is leveraging technology. And that is automation to solve for these yeah. real human problems that they're facing in real time.
0: So let me, all right, so let's let's expand this then. So let's say you have, um, you understand, say, tipping globally, right? And I know in, a, in the US, um, the US tips very differently. And a lot of countries around the world don't tip. So, how can if you're having to bring front of house into back of house, which I know there's a whole training component and things there too, but how can we level
1: wages? Absolutely. So, the way Lightspeed here at Lightspeed we would think about it, that exact that problem is by leveraging the on the QR code software interface that a diner is seeing. You know, scan the QR code. I'm going to place my order. What we would the way we would suggest to restaurant are asking us is We'd, we'd go in in there and we'd say, okay, well, first and foremost, let's make sure your full menu is available there, automatically tied to the POS. So it has everything, anything that you 86 or you, know, you sell out of on the POS automatically gets updated on the QR code ordering experience. But also when you get to the paying portion, and this is the important part, when you get to that paying experience on, on order anywhere, that's, that's what we call our QR ordering solution. We're actually prompting the guest for tip and we're trying to actually prompt the guest to increase the tip. Mm -hmm. so actually staff members like this because the tip's increasing but how does that now solve for that front of house person who went to the back of house well all of a sudden you can start getting into tip pooling and you can start looking at how many hours people work and making sure you're sharing tips between front of house and back of house based on how many hours worked and so through technology you can handle that you can understand and there's tons of different formulas i've heard from restaurateurs. you know points hours worked you know sales contribution you've seen a million different ways but in a scenario like that, you can say, look, tonight we're super short staff. We're rolling up the QR codes. These folks are going to work in the back of house. We're all just one team tonight. We're going to pool all the tips and then LightBeauty is going to help you understand how to divide those up between your staff very easily.
0: Okay, let's change gears for a second. So um, in the US, we've seen a, a lot. There's been a lot of conversations about how what we call omni-channel, but basically all of the off-premise ordering has really impacted kitchens. And we think that's where a lot of operators... Are curious um, or have a lot of conversational needs. Have you seen those same challenges globally?
1: Yes. I, I would say, from what we've seen at Lightspeed, there's no difference between the US and the rest of the world when it comes to, you know, over the last two and a half years, my dining room shut down. I had to pivot to sell Omnichannel and, you know, connect to every third party delivery platform on the planet and then also offer first party delivery to make sure that I didn't compress my margins over there. And then all of a sudden, you know, whiplash two years later, my dining room is open, you know, can't get any staff, but by the way, consumers are still used to the idea of ordering two platforms. So I still have that, maybe not exactly the same, but practically the same volume coming through Yeah, the, the dine-out solutions. And so as a, an operator, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm running at 70, 80% staff, my dining room full, great, happy days. But also I have this extra pressure because I have these dine-out customers that are still coming and I want to try and maintain it. Now, of course, you look at the margins there, you know, maybe on... I don't know when Uber Eats or a DoorDash, I'm not making enough profitability to make sense, but maybe with, and I'm just throwing names out here, not necessarily the case, but Postmates, it's making more sense for me. And then absolutely on my first party, because I'm keeping all the margin, I definitely want to keep that. Yeah, right. And so how do you balance all that? Well, you need to be super tight with production time, because you got to get the absolute most out of every single second that your kitchen staff are working. And you got to make sure you're not running out of anything because having to do substitutions for a dine out order, that's the major problem. Yeah, right. dine is a bit different. You go talk to the guest, oh, I'm so sorry, ma'am or sir, you know, we're out of this. You know, I, can I suggest this change? A dine-out customer, that doesn't work. Yeah. That's happening everywhere in the world. There's no difference. So that's that's the same problem everywhere.
0: Yeah, that's, it's been a big problem here in the US. You know, a lot of the things we hear operators talk about then too is they, you know, they have systems that give these promise times to guests and then they don't meet them because their kitchens are brought to their knees. Have you heard any, or are you starting to hear any good solutions or tricks that folks are doing? There's one that we hear about a lot, which seems like blunt force trauma, and that is turning off the ordering, the third parties. You know, I'd love to know if you've, if you've got any other, if you've heard any other stories about um, operators sort of balancing the flow.
1: So I think the, the, the brute force method you described is something we definitely hear, but that's again, not applying automation in an artful manner right.
0: yep.
1: and you are leaving, you know, as a restaurant operator, you're leaving money on the table. If you do that, yeah. because no matter how busy your dining room is, there's always going to be a little bit of room here and there. And maybe you just end up offering a much more limited menu online than you were before when your kitchen gets slammed. And then rather, so then rather than turning the thing off, you just focus on very simple dishes that, you know, you can put out of the kitchen super effectively. So that's one thing. But again, to do that, you need to have super, super tight control of your front of house and back of house for dine in. They need to be working as a team. But you also need to have your off-premise or dine out operation super tightly tied into the kitchen operations. And all three, you're, you know, you're, you're balancing all three in a very artful manner. That, you know, like you said, like brute force, you're leaving money on the table. And but if you can effectively use the right tools, you can maximize the revenue of your restaurant. Yeah, very, that's right. Very easily. And the, and, and the tools exist today. Companies yeah. like, you know, Fresh and Lightbeed, those tools exist today. you yeah. just got to be prepared to implement them.
0: Yeah. And think about it, too. I think you're right about the slim down menus. You know, we think about it through the lens of, of technology, right? Um, but I think that's a, a real practical solution so that you don't have to start getting into just turning off channels. Um, all right. What have you seen? What compels kitchen operators to buy new tech?
1: Oh, so... Couple things, and this is you know this is true not just for the restaurant business. I think this is just why does any business buy a new technology. There's usually kind of three main drivers. First is I want to fundamentally change the way I run my business, just because I maybe as an operator I need a lifestyle change. Maybe I just have you know as a as a chef I want to try something different. That's kind of yeah. that's one. Number two, regulatory changes. Something has changed in the environment that I operate in. You know, in the rest of the world, one that often comes up is fiscalization, which is not something you see in the U.S. yet. But usually what that is is it's about, coming from the tax authorities to make sure that people are paying their taxes. But often it involves implementing new technology. So that's one, or tax Mm. changes, things like that. And then the third is somebody saying, well, wait a minute, the way I'm, the Delta, or the difference between the way I do work today is so different from what's possible of what I'm seeing in the world. I gotta go and take a look at what's. I gotta stand up and look around and see what's available to me. And I think those are kind of the three big ones. A- and for me, obviously, as a technology, a technology, per- a technology person, the third one is obviously very exciting because you see people realizing, wow, what you're doing is very cool. The regulatory one is great for business. You know, LightSpeed loves it when the fiscalization is implemented because it forces everybody to start evaluating the technology solutions. But it's not really drive. It's not because somebody says, hey, what you're doing is great. It's because the government's telling them I have to. And then the first one is just, you know, that's just, that's the wind. It happens. Everybody just looks for a change every so often.
0: Okay. So that's good. I'm going to, so then I'm going to, I'm going to ask this follow-up then. So those are good reasons to replace tech, Uh, to buy new tech, to replace tech. They sort of fit together. Then why do operators, why do kitchen operators, why would they fire their existing tech? And let's say, let's assume that those boxes are checked.
1: So I think first and foremost, there's, there's, what is the promise? What is the promise that you went to this provider for you know what did they say okay you what is the problem they promised that they could help you solve and obviously for what cost? and so i think the first answer to that question is well they just haven't fulfilled their promise that's an easy one either they didn't they didn't you didn't see the the level of benefit maybe they did provide some of it but not to the level that you were expecting maybe they've increased their prices or maybe and this goes back to my answer before Maybe they've fulfilled their promise, but your situation has changed. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's either not relevant or you need to go a step further. And so I think, you know, obviously, great example, pandemic last two years, super difficult time for the hospitality industry, the way we've just talked a lot about how restaurant operators have to operate differently during the pandemic and now today after the pandemic than they did before. And so, you know, for, for us, LightSpeed has been focused for 17 years on building commerce platforms and omnichannel platforms for retailers and restaurateurs. But the platform we offered 17 years ago is far from what we offer today, or rather the other way around, what we offer today is far from what we offered 17 years ago. Yeah. And that's because we're constantly innovating, we're constantly looking at, you know, what is what are the challenges that a restaurateur is facing today? What is the number one pressure? What are the innovation What are the consumer expectation and how they shifted? And so, of course, always responding to that because you know, going back to the beginning of my answer, of what is the promise of what is the vet, what did the vendor promise the restaurateur? Well, A, you have to fulfill your initial promise. But as restauranteurs evolve, you also have to evolve in your platform and your offering as well. And so you can't stay static.
0: I wonder, what I've heard from a lot of operators too is there's a lot of tech, a lot of it's changing. A lot of it's changing due to demands and consumer preferences and post-pandemic and things like that. And so that promise, what we provide and even how we provide it I think is changing rapidly, right? So it used to be where you had a lot of point of sale, kitchen companies, things like that, that worked through dealers. You see less of that these days, I think, because you're seeing a lot yep. more, you know, SaaS focused, SaaS first products. And and so the and so I think we have to evolve with not only the land like the nature the landscape, right? The landscape of changing tech, the landscape of changing consumer demands, but also then what those consumer demands place on the restaurants.
1: You know, the, the evolution of the landscape is a super interesting point. And, you know, I, I love your example, actually, of, you know, you would see dealers, POS dealers, and that was kind of the technology Call it 10 years ago. That was the technology that restaurant, restaurants needed to succeed. Get rid of your cash register put in a POS. Great. You know, it's yep. crazy to say that now, but 10 years ago, that was, that was the way it happened. Right. And the implementation was super complicated. There was a ton of super expensive hardware. And not only staff, but the cloud obviously disrupted that as well. Compared to today, where solutions like, I'll use one that actually we just, we just announced yesterday, the new advanced, uh, the Lightspeed Advanced Insight, that is a, from a technology standpoint, a very complicated product to build and have all the logic and machine learning and AI built into the background. And, you know, the restaurateur doesn't need to understand any of that. But to implement that and get that all running and flow, having all the data flowing from Lightspeed payments and the Lightspeed POS, et cetera, into that. A dealer or an operator from the old world would never be sophisticated enough to be able to do that for a restaurateur. And so as our industry has evolved and the technology has evolved, the way that companies like ours go to market and work with restaurateurs also have to evolve. And because our solutions are that much more powerful, we need to be much more directly involved with the restaurateurs, talking with them and working with them to be able to make sure that they're getting the most out of these amazing tools that we're building.
0: That's right. And I also think that that trickles to things like support, right? We've, you know, we have to yeah. think about how we support these folks because in even, even just standard offshore or thing, you know, you have to have a level of te- technical expertise to be able to support outside of a dealer model. Yeah, And so I think, you know, we see a lot of the, you know, we see those challenges arrive too. So a couple more things here before we wrap up. Have you seen or are you experiencing the increase of technology evolution in the restaurant space. So are we having, are you having as a, as a company to work harder to keep up with the evolution of technology and, and sort of corresponding to that, how about operators demand for changing technology? Are those, have you seen both and do they keep pace?
1: Great question. So to question a, you know, are is the velocity of of innovation in the restaurant technology space increasing? Absolutely, yes. Now, is that just because of the restaurant technology space? I don't think it's only. I think it's also just evolution in the ability of technology in general. You know, AI and machine learning isn't just restricted to the restaurant space. That technology itself is evolving. And so all the tools as technologists we have available to build solutions and build tools for restauranters, that tool set is infinitely larger than it was even five years ago. So I think that's the first thing. Now, of course, as restaurant technology people, we're, we're leveraging that, those tools that are now available to us at reasonable cost to be able to build great solutions for these restaurant operators. So I think that's the first thing. So absolutely yes to the first question. I think the second question, the demands of a restaurant, so what's available to them, definitely light years beyond what was available before and going faster, but as an SMB, you know, independent restaurant operator. What do I need to do to run a successful business? I don't think is evolving as fast as technology that's available to them. And so what becomes really difficult for a restaurant operator to, to know is where do I focus my energy on Im- implementing new technology? Because there is just so much available. And so understanding what's first from a technology perspective, and then what do I do next? It's something that is really hard for somebody who's just getting into this space and implementing new technology into a small business. And I think selfishly, what I think Lightspeed has done very well is we've always been focused on what are the tools that large enterprise, restaurant, food chains, et cetera, have available to them, but simplifying them and distilling them down to technology that is digestible and understandable and practical for independent operators to use and not focusing on things that they don't. Yeah, you know, an independent restaurant operator, do they need the Cadillac absolute best coined automated coin dispenser at their cash register? That's not why you go to an independent restaurant. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking to a McDonald's, of course, that's that 30 seconds is super important. Yeah. But getting back to your question of, you know, do I need all of that and understanding what do I need? That's something that as a business that serves the independent restaurant space, we are very focused on trying to understand how do we make sure that the right tools are presented to the right customers and cutting out as much noise as possible because it's our job to understand what is of suggesting, what what we think will be of value and what is the the noise.
0: So, yep, I'm an independent operator. I'm an SMB business. My needs may not be as evolving as as fast. They are evolving because the world's evolving, but not as fast as the technology we're slinging. Where do I go to start to try to unpack and understand that?
1: I'd start with the restaurant next door. What did they do? Yeah. Because ultimately, the restaurant business is about people. This is where we started our conversation. Yeah. The restaurant business is about people. And maybe the restaurant next door has been around for 10 years and they said, well, you know what? I've tried this, this, and this. These things were no good, but this was great. Learn from their experiences. You know, there's also restaurant associations in every city. There's great, you know, nationally we have the NRA, the National Restaurant Association, but even every state has its local restaurant association. Those are great sources of information, and so ultimately, that's, it's, that's the people. You know, that's the yep. what's what's worked together to, to to build a great industry. But I think that's a, a great place to start.
0: All right, thank you so much to my first guest, Peter Doherty. Pete, it has been great having you here as we kick this off. And again, the focus is the changing, the evolution and operations and technology and specifically how it impacts the kitchen. And I think, you know, there are a lot of things that impact the kitchen. We do really, you know, see it as the center of the universe when it comes to the modern restaurant, the center of the operational universe. And so this has been a great discussion. So thank you, Pete. And thanks to all you're doing and all Lightspeed's doing to sort of help the small and medium-sized restaurant business. So thanks so much. Thanks for having me.
1: It was a great conversation. I I always love talking about restaurants and restaurant tech. Awesome.
0: Thanks so much. All right. That's it for the first episode of the Kitchen Obsessed podcast. We are off and on our way. If you've got questions or subjects you'd like us to dive into, please email us at podcast at freshtechnology.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Kitchen Obsessed podcast. If you work in a restaurant and are interested in appearing on the podcast, send us an email at podcast at freshtechnology.com and tell us your story. We'll be back next week with more tips from the kitchen.